What's happening, everybody? This is V3Cast, episode 29, where the band Voyager 3, that's us, talks about film and music and pop culture and even cool beverages. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's going on? Whoop, whoop. This is exciting. We got the the sound, and then I just did the sound myself. You know, the DJ horn. I just did it. Live. It's been a while since we did this. We got to... We got yeah, to get back into this thing, man. A very popular sample. But you know what, though? If you use it right, it's hype. Am I right? It, it's only good if you use it ironically and like to make fun of it. I guess no, so. No, it's, it needs to be in every rap song, I think. <laughs> the people who put it in rap songs because they think it's cool and it's like really outdated now, no, that sucks. Well, it might have been cool <laughs> at first, but you're right. Then everybody started using it, and now it's... uh cliche if you will i guess i don't know but but if you're spitting hot fire and and and, and you're really really good and you're laying it down maybe you could get away with another dj horn drop it right here people will feel it (laughs) with all this talking it's got my throat scratchy what are y'all drinking am i going first this week i think so it's all right i got a good one check this out you know this you know this local band you ever heard of them they're from Frankenmuth. Found and I, we go to Frankenmuth. They're, they're a little local band. They're starting to get, you know, a little bit of traction out there on the scene. <laughs> Dang right. it, man. Greta Van Fleet, Four Giants, IPA by Founders. And uh, it's a limited edition, hazy. But you know what I like about it? You know, a lot of times with these hazy beers, they get a little flat, you know, because they overdo the citrus. It's like the Beastie Boys. And uh, what's that song? Help me out. The air, Paul Revere, the air is getting Paul hot. Revere, yeah, the air's getting flat. So uh, this one has got a nice crisp carbonation to it. So as far as hazies go, this is a pretty good one. I got this <laughs> Cutwater Vodka Mule. It's good stuff. Dang. It's uh, you know, if you like that, uh, you like that ginger beer. Oh yeah, and this is this has that involved. So oh, it has to. Yeah, that is. Uh... Yeah. One of the main ingredients in a Moscow Ooh. meal. Damn, that was a good one. All right. Yeah, Cheater. Steve doesn't drink the alcohol, but he knows what's in a drink. And I uh, I credit that to his wife. That's, That's absolutely right, right man, because she can make some <laughs> drinks, man, for sure. Plus, I don't know all the ingredients, but that one, because it's ginger beer, I know that one for sure. He yeah. likes spicy shit. Mm-hmm. Speaking of spicy shit, what do you have, Steve? Man, all the kids are talking about this drink, man. I'm telling you. So I had to oh, just I try I know it. what it is. I had to try it. Everybody's talking about it. So I got myself a prime. Oh, no. So and I hope did, it's good. Did Vivi never... talk you into that? Uh, they both did. They both did. Because they I want this. It. They I want know. this. The but kids, man. I'm not getting them energy drinks. They're too young for that. So I, what I do once in a while as a treat is I get them like the prime. That's like the sports drink. So it's basically like Gatorade. So uh, right. You know, once every couple of weeks or something like that, I'll let them split uh, prime uh, sports drink. But this is prime energy drink. So we'll, we'll see. How this did... is uh, orange mango. So uh, I always like orange mango almost no matter what it is. So I'm assuming this will be pretty good. Let's see if I can get a good crack on this one. 
Excellent. I hope y'all heard that because it was loud over here. That was great. I heard a little bit of it. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah, it tastes pretty good, man. But um, the mango is strong in it, even overpowering the orange. It's, it's a nice mango. I dig Did it. you give it a little inversion, man? A little Red Bull shake? Oh, you get you got to give it a Red Bull shake. Yep, yep. Yeah. Oh, I did that for sure. Now, don't let my brother tell you that you're shaking it too much. Right. <laughs> that was that was the moment I learned what a Red Bull shake was because I didn't do one. Well, hey, listen, um, we have so much stuff that's popping up right now. I figured that I would put the news before our main topic. Believe it or not, because the news in, in our camp is a lot. So I, I, I want to share this, man, because there's so much stuff going on. Just today, it was announced that uh, Movie Theater Massacre, written and directed by our buddy Ian Courtney, is uh, playing at Hell's Half Mile Film and Music Festival in Bay City on uh, September 21st through the 24th. And uh, nice. you got to check their website for the exact day, time, and theater. But... Uh, how cool is that, man? So uh, it's Ian's Super first cool. film. He got accepted to a film festival, a really cool film festival. They got an award, as a matter of fact, for like one of the coolest film festivals in the country. It, that that came out in like July or something like that mm -hmm. through a, through a, a magazine. Um, so yeah, we've scored the finale scene in that film. It's really cool. It was filmed at the Redford Theater, historic Detroit area theater that's still up and running with a real functioning organ in the theater still. They play it uh, before the films and then intermissions and stuff like that. Killer theater. And uh, Leanna Quigley is starring in this film too. She's got a like a uh, a part, like she's in a scene. Um, super cool. So check out Movie Theater Massacre uh, if you're anywhere near Hell's Half Mile Film Festival. And I'm sure it's going to be playing more places soon. Uh, and we'll let you know when it is. But uh, we just found that out today. So super, super excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome for Ian, you know, because uh, I know it took him a long time to get that done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it sort of crosses over into that Friends Doing Cool Stuff segment that we have every once in a while. So we can call it that yeah. as well. Sure it does. Yeah. Absolutely right. And another awesome thing in our orbit, New York Ninja Super Special Number 2. I'll read you the little sizzle paragraph that they wrote. Vinegar Syndrome's Cult Hit Returns. It's 1986. Streets are flooded by a radioactive drug called DK. Ninja and the kid are on the case. Do they have what it takes? Plus, there's a new vigilante in NYC, and she ain't no cream puff. Got me sold, right, guys? Right. Uh, and then it goes on to say, John continues to train the kid, but as hordes of drug-addled street punks cause chaos, in the streets, John must don his white shinobi, Shozuko, once again to become the New York Ninja. Nice. Man, it's going to be great. I hope they have like a handful of covers too, like the first one. I think yeah. they had, uh, I think it was two variant covers, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. That's also by uh, Charles Forsman, who did the first one. So totally looking forward to that. Uh, and I love that. I love that he's taking it and run, running with it, you know, and expanding the universe, so to speak. So, yeah, you know, yeah, for sure. It's only a matter of time before it's the Marvel universe. That's you know? right. Yeah, it's going to it's going to reach and, great uh, heights. We'll, we'll have a small little part in that. That's right. That's right, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember he said too. um, 
in a tweet a while back, he goes, while he was writing the first one, uh, he had that soundtrack spinning all the time to kind of like get him into the spirit of, of everything. Okay. And I'm like, man, that's, that's what it's all about for sure. Yeah, that's what you I'm know, talking about. We've done the same thing where we're, we're reading stuff and that might inspire a, a mood or an arrangement or a riff or something like that. Or we see a film and that, uh, attitude or mojo comes across and it translates through our filter into something. So I love, I love to hear that. Absolutely. And then speaking of New York Ninja uh, on Tuesday, September 5th, 9 PM uh, New York Ninja, the film will be playing on Showtime's show bet, which is uh showtime and BET's kind of channel. So uh, mark your calendars for that one. Yeah. They got to keep playing it, man. Just keep playing at Showtime. I know it just keeps keeps soaking out into the uh, into the culture, and it'll become you know just another one of those uh, films that people remember and talk about, and just kind of it'll it'll stick with it. I think it has all the parts, you know, all all the all the recipe for that to be another one of those type of films. Definitely, it's got it's got good rewatch value. Yeah, yeah, because I think you know it's the kind of movie that you want to show people who haven't seen it. Right, you know, totally. especially like it, like in a social setting, you know, it'd be great to like, you know, it sort of makes me think about tomorrow night. You know, we got plans to hang out with a friend from out of town. It just makes me kind of want to bring it just in case. <laughs> yeah, but, it just so it's an option. <laughs> but like that, that's the kind of setting where you want to you want to like unleash it on people that are unaware of it. And, and then once you explain it to them and you show it, it's 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 like one of those party movies. And I yeah. think it will continue to be that, I think. Right. Yeah. I, I agree for sure. Last bit, and probably one of the coolest so far, we're doing another uh, film soundtrack. We're actually in the middle of working on it right now. And that is to a film called Killer Cabbage. It was written and directed by uh, Michael A. Dotson and Jude Reed. And it's actually a Michigan production, believe it or not. They filmed a lot of this in uh, Sault Ste. Marie area. I think uh, either both of them or one of them are, are from around that area. And it's definitely a kind of schlocky, over-the-top sci-fi meets comedy and really soaked in the spirit of like the classic trauma films, really. Um, it kind of has that uh, very campiness to it. It's perfect B-movie vibe. So uh, it's Voyager 3's job to provide the score for that film, and that's what we're currently working on. Yeah, we got a good start on this one, man. Like the ideas just came right out. Yeah, I think we had one. We had one rehearsal and had some yeah. good stuff. Yeah, walked away with like a big palette of riffs and and motifs to uh, to plug in and uh, twist around and speed up and slow down and change the key if needed. All that stuff. That's right. We can't here. wait for people to hear it once it's all done and see it and all that. So it'll be great. There's one more thing I wanted to mention. Is uh, of course. The Voyager 3 store is a place where we have all of our merch. We have digital downloads, CDs, T-shirts, coffee mugs, whatever, stickers, posters, even uh, New York Ninja slip mats for your turntable. So uh, we're going to do a cool sale for September. Are you ready? So uh, first, the sale is going to be 25% off if you have the code New York Ninja. You got to type that code in. That'll give you 25% off. Then on top of that, all orders over $50 get free shipping in the United States. Uh, and then lastly, the first, let's pick a number here. 
the first 35 orders that come in, if they're a shirt, we will match that shirt with the same size shirt, but a, but a, a wild card pick. Uh, so you get a wild basic- card design from like all of our other designs. Is that yeah, what you're like, saying, Steve? Yeah, exactly. Like say somebody gets a New York Ninja t-shirt. What uh, if it, what if we didn't send the same size? they can't even use <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh we'll, we'll match your shirt order with just another design from our collection uh so this will be fun you know it's like extra value for all y'all who enjoy voyager 3 and want to sport some merch it's a really great incentive to uh get some cool stuff for yourself or friends and family that's at Voyager3Store.com, V-O-Y-A-G-3R-Store.com. And this is going to last all of September. And by the way, we don't cut corners on artwork. No, we don't. No, we don't. No. We, uh, you know, we, get the good, we get the good guys to do the good guys and girls to do our shirts and our merch. That's yeah, right. We, we have the best artwork in town. I don't know about the music, but the artwork is top notch. <laughs> They'll make me spit my drink out. <laughs> I, I support that statement. We work with the best artists. Our shirts have that good ass artwork. And when you order your large, you're going to get an extra small. Yeah. <laughs> belly shirt. That's like right. a, like a half shirt. Steve's going to pick that out for you personally. That's right. Our main topic of this episode of V3 cast is the amazing spider-man into the spider-verse see what i did there i do right you did it amazing he said yeah yeah because that's not really in the title but it was amazing but it goes with that because they use that sometimes (laughs) (laughs) these two films man i loved them i absolutely loved them do you want to hear how i saw them yeah okay so I wasn't interested. I wasn't interested in these things. Uh, And if you said, well, why? I have no good reason. You know, sometimes you're just not ready for something. You know, it's just like you, you, I heard about that this film was out back in 2018. Totally skipped it. I didn't have any desire to see it. My kids were a little too young to watch that. They wouldn't be interested in it. So I didn't see it. Then uh, COVID happened and uh, their sequel was supposed to come out, I think, in 21 is what I uh, researched when preparing this episode. Uh, but of course, as you well know, with COVID, uh, there were no theaters open. Many films, many, many, many films got delayed or possibly went right to uh, streaming. Uh, they obviously didn't choose that for their, for uh, Across the Spider-Verse. So in 2023, Across the Spider-Verse came out. My kids are older. They are ready for this now. So they asked me one Saturday. Hey, can we go see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse? And I'm like, well, I didn't really, I didn't see the first one, but I don't really care. So sure, let's go. So I, I saw this part two first, and I just wanted to, to, to let my kids see this because they were really into it. Because I think Steve they, just wanted popcorn. Yeah, that's true too. And those nice plushy <laughs> seats where I can lean back, and if it's not good, fall asleep as Greg yeah, illustrated. He was going to get. Yeah, he was going to get a dad nap and some popcorn. It was going to be a good Saturday afternoon. That's right, man. He got pleasantly surprised. You got that right. I'm telling you what, from the minute it started, first, the the animation style made me pay attention right away because I have never seen anything that looks like this film. But in the first chunk of part two, because remember, part two is what I saw first. 
if you recall that first little sequence before the the main credits come in, they have this kind of scene where it's even more rough animation. It's like extra abstract and just you know, it, it almost makes you think it's a flashback, but it's but it's really not. And then all those uh, other Spider-Man came in toward the end when they're fighting that Falcon guy, right? Because it's getting a little bit out of hand. It wasn't a Falcon, was it? I think it was. Um, yeah, the Vulture. Yeah, Vulture. Thank you. I, I yeah, but the Vulture. So up until that whole thing ended, not to mention Daniel Pemberton's music is so killer in both yeah. of these films. Unreal. Amazing. Awesome. Um, See what I did there? The, uh, the music went so well with that whole first sequence with, uh, you know, she's in the band, she gets mad, she quits the band, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and her dad's trying to track down the killer of uh, the Peter Parker, right? All this kind of stuff. Um, amazing. So it grabbed me immediately because it was just so to me abstract and different of anything that i've seen before it just nailed it and then the rest of the film took over and that was more visually like the first one yeah since we're talking about the music i was gonna i was gonna bring this up when we got to the first one but like you're right the pemberton score is amazing it's it's perfect but um what i really liked about the first one is how they incorporated some of the the like the old school hip hop stuff that you're talking about, you know, like yeah. it really felt like a New York movie, you know, like the, the songs that they chose, you know, especially like that Biggie Smalls song. And then um, there were a few others. It was just like, so well, the songs that they picked were like perfect. And mm -hmm. I agree. The animation is, is top notch. It, it set a new standard and you can already see new movies copying it you know, we went and saw the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. And to me, that's, that's them saying, okay, that's how, you know, yeah, we can we do, have that. To do, we this can do now. that style too, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's sort of, it's already inspiring other, other films, you know, so. Nothing else has looked like that. I mean, okay. not, not that I know of. Another element that I really, really dig it uh, is the, all the different versions. I mean, obviously that's the main hook of the whole film but part two to me because then uh, yeah to finish my story is i was blown away by this film so then a couple days after seeing that we uh streamed into the spider-verse and uh i love that too um maybe I, I like part two a little more because it's the one i saw first sometimes it, it works like that um yeah, or maybe it. maybe it's just more refined i don't know i'm not sure i haven't seen them enough to you know, make that judgment, and that judgment is not even necessary anyway. But I went back and watched part one, also awesome. But that part two just, man, it just punched me in the theater because I just didn't even have any expectation whatsoever. And yeah, I so I have a totally different surprised. take. I think I think the first movie is far superior to the second one. Now okay. I I like them both. Don't get me wrong, and I think the second one takes the whole multiverse thing and you know, just swings for the bleachers with it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Definitely which is does great that. because it's like, it's, it's like a lot of good comedy. I love, the, I love that punk rock, um, uh, Spider-Man. He's great. Exactly. I, every, every single Spider-Man in it is great. It's yeah. like, I, I love the idea that there's that many and like a whole universe of just Spider-Man, you know, so, yeah. or women or whatever. It, it can be literally anything. Obviously the second one takes that and runs with it. But I think the first, I don't know, man, there's something about the first one. Like, I relate to it more, you know, the whole family thing is a bit yeah. more, you know, with the uncle and his brother and 
you know, the kid sort of idolizing his uncle. Like I relate to that. You know, a really awesome thing seeing it the order that I did in particular is uh the the Peter Parker that he sees when he's like at Out of the, shape at the grave uh in the first one, you know, and then the other Peter Parker comes up behind him. That one yeah, and he's wearing like sweatpants. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, how cool is that now? Now I know why he's such a good dad in the second one. You know, because you right. see what what happened, and, and, and for me, it was reversed. You know, but that is that's awesome. It's yeah. really wonderful writing. It's, it's basically the same writing team, but this is kind of weird to me. Like, none of the directors, by the way, each of them have three directors, but none of them are the same from each of the films. Doesn't that seem weird? Wow. That's not really that yeah, common. Yeah, it does seem weird. Yeah, I was surprised. I had to look twice at at all six names. But is there any repeats? Are you sure? Yeah. No. Sure. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, because it like it really is cohesive and you know neither one dropped the ball or whatever you know anything like that so that's almost seems risky to to change that chemistry like that but they did and i think it was absolutely fine you know if yeah so you know where steve and i stand on it aaron really yeah. and i know you have a slightly different opinion so let's I, i'm curious to hear your take on it it's um it's strange for me because I think they're cool, but I don't I don't love them like everybody else seems to. Like they don't they don't hit me like that. Um I think they're they're fun, they're cool. I like, you know, the characters. I definitely like uh in part one I like the um, you know, the the sort of dark detective guy, Nicolas Cage. And of course I like Spider Ham, uh John yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like the punk rock guy who's in the same Hobie, I think. I don't know. And um, I definitely like um, Poe Dameron, um, you know. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaac doing uh, doing Spider-Man 2099. Um, that was cool because I remember when when Spider-Man first did 2099. I think that was 1999. And it was like. If I remember right, that's when it came out. And that was the first real expansion of Spider-Man uh, in the comics. And it was kind of a crazy idea of like, well, what if there are, would be another Spider-Man in the future that's got nothing to do with Peter Parker? And so to see that guy come come alive in the movie was cool, especially since there's a million Spider-People in the movie. So, of course, he should be in there, too. But, but the movies don't, don't hit me... Um, at that level i wish they did like yeah. i see everybody talking about them and i feel like man what am i missing i thought um, for sure you would love the hell out of it because one of the other key things that happens in both one and two very often are the way that they'll animate a little sequence and freeze on it or zoom in on it and it's like that's a comic book page like 100 percent. i thought you'd be like doing a backflip in the theater <laughs> I, I should have been but people going crazy for me and i'm glad they like them like for me i'm glad like even if i'm not digging it in the same way i'm actually legitimately glad that other people are digging it you know what i mean so yeah. instead of being like hating on it or whatever i'm like well i'm missing something but i'm glad i'm glad it's there for them um for me they're kind of i get a feeling of like everything including the kitchen sink in these movies they're just throwing everything at the screen literally i mean literally they're throwing yeah. everything everybody well, in yeah especially on the second one yeah uh, and, i feel like me, though 
normally I would think that, but because of what the mechanism is of the story, I feel like it has to be that. Yeah, yeah it probably I mean? does. It probably yeah. does. But then I just like there's something in my head, like you know, like one Spider-Man solving problems is is pretty good too, you know. But that's right. that's that's so far back now. Uh, even the live action Spider-Man has, um, you know, brought in multiverse and obviously all the, and that could be part of my, it could be some fatigue with all the live action stuff, all this post Avengers Endgame stuff. It's all about the multiverse. Like, and so they're doing all that stuff in, in these movies and they're kind of slowly building their story very slowly with, between all these other movies, right? The live action ones. And then the, that Spider-Man's doing it. And then also over in DC, you've got the flash doing it and all that stuff. And I think maybe I'm just a little burned out on multiverse stuff. I don't know. Aaron might have a point too. Like he brings up something that I was thinking of, like, because I know I can speak for myself and say that I don't know comic books the way Aaron does. And I'm, I, I'm, I think Steve would probably say the same thing. Like we, yeah. we were definitely not as invested in comic books as Aaron was. So it's interesting that the comic book guy out of the three of us, you know, is fatigued by the multiverse thing. And I wonder if that's because that was done in the comic books and, you know, Aaron can correct me. I, I think that multiverse concept has already been introduced in comic books like a long time ago, probably. For sure. So maybe, maybe this is new to Steve and I, but to, to people like you and, and that, that are involved with comics that closely, this just seems like a tired trope or something, right. you know, like so a cash grab or, like, or, or something. You know what I mean? Aaron's like, you guys are a bunch of Johnny come lately. So I, I read about that shit in the nineties. No, 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 <laughs> I really, it, it's not that. I mean, I know what you're okay. saying, but I know that you have a point. That's part of it, but not as, not as hardcore as what you're saying. Like I'm not, I'm not, um, it's not like, Oh, I've seen that all before. I'm just, um, it's just, it's almost like when you, sometimes you get everything you want and you're kind of, and, and then it kind of loses. So I don't know. There's, it's, it's, it's not just Spider-Man. It's not just the Spider-Verse. It's, it's, a, I'm, I'm trying to fight it in my own head, but like this post Avengers Endgame, I feel like they blew it out of the water so perfectly and, and broke superhero movies in a way because yeah you know, not just Endgame, but Infinity War. Those two movies together were like pretty much everything I could have ever dreamed of or hoped for in a, in a superhero movie, Yeah. Uh, aside from the Dark Knight trilogy. And to see that stuff come to life with all these characters that, you know, and then after that, it's like, well, where do we go from here? And nothing is going to be as good as that. Like, no, yeah. it's like they desensitized me to, to the superhero movie. And now I'm trying to find that high. And nothing's going to touch the high of uh, Infinity War Endgame, at least not in the in not right now. Right. But no, in I can relate to that. Moments, you know the 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 new the the newest um, Spider-Man live action movie was great. Um, Guardians was great. Part three. There have been and there have been more. There have been moments. I thought um, Moon Knight. Speaking of Oscar Isaac, I thought that was great. I thought um, Falcon and Winter Soldier was great. So there's 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 good stuff, but overall, I'm just feeling like, man, like I never thought I'd have superhero fatigue, but I'm I'm battling it right now. I'm not yeah. giving in. I I definitely have that. Like 
Same. And, and, and that's because I'm, I'm more casual about it. You know, like I just like, I can't, you know, I'm like one of those guys that's like, Oh man, it's another Marvel movie. I'm already like five behind. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going to see this one. Yeah. You know, so, so for me, Spider-Man was always one of my favorite characters and it was probably because my kids that I saw the first one. So I don't know. I, I am sort of a Johnny come lately when it comes, when it comes to like <laughs> superhero movies. So maybe, you know, that with the, the, the different style of artwork, it wasn't a bunch of like dirty versions of the comic book costumes, you know, like it was something different, you know, cause Aaron knows I don't like how they take Superman and just make his costume dirty, you know, right. Like, right. I think that, <laughs> oh, it, now he's grittier cause his costume's got a little dirt on it. You know, That's it's right. not as bright. So I don't know, man. I'm, I, I think you're right. I'm burned. I, I am burnt out on superhero movies. And this one just felt different to me. Exactly. Same with me. It like, looked that's different. Why it was I a different kind of story. <laughs> and it was a different kind of Peter Parker. It was, you know, it was everything. You know, it was just like a totally fresh take on, on Spider-Man. So I, I was I was there for it. All right, for the mailbag, we have short and sweet. But you know, the thing about Voyager, mailbag. the thing about us, the thing about V3 cast, it's a place for learning. It's a place for <laughs> discovery. Broadening your horizons. Yeah, broadening your horizons. There are times where you have to admit that maybe you have a little bit more to learn in this world. And so um, B.L. Fisher schooled me on unsweetened tea in the last one. He said, listen, listen, he said, unsweetened tea is the only way to drink tea. Uh So I agree. Accordingly, B.L. Fisher, unsweetened tea is the way to go. And and uh, I'm just going to accept that. I'll accept it because I'm not always sweetened coffee, too. Well, let me uh, then speaking of broadening our horizons. Can you list? B.L. Fisher, please give us one or two recommended unsweetened teas to drink. Whether that's in a bottle that you get from 7-Eleven or, you know, the bags that you boil and, you know, do traditional tea. Let me know because I want to try what you think is awesome. Listen, Steve, I got to say this. (laughs) This has to be... Go ahead. I'm not always right. I can admit that. Oh, uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron, uh, we know that. Everybody should be... (laughs) When they're wrong, yeah, and, that's uh, no surprise. Even <laughs> if, even if I never drink unsweetened tea in my life, I can at least, you know, let B.L. Fisher tell me what's what. So go. also, he mentioned Carnival getting totally screwed over by HBO because that's what HBO used to love to do back in the day. They'd build up a cool story and always some expensive period piece show, right? And they. Oh, we don't have the budget for this anymore. Deadwood, Carnival, uh, Rome. They would they would screw over their shows all the time, and they were critically acclaimed and fan loved shows. Um, Man, why they do that? That's yeah, amazing. some guy with a chart, Steve. I know yeah. the bean counters, yeah. right? Rob Van Toll also said, our buddy Rob said, uh, Old Nation Brewing uh, Boreal Dry Hopped Lager. He said it's that's so good. Oh, you've had it. Oh, yeah. Good. 
Um, I think I left a comment that said I've tried most of the Old Nation stuff. Most of their stuff is good, man. I'm going to have mm-hmm. to. They're definitely one of the, the better breweries in Michigan. Um, M43 put them on the map, but they've got a lot oh. of different styles. Yeah, I've had M43. That's good. Yeah, so I'll try the other one too, the the Boreal Dry Hop Lager. Yeah. Hey, they're a little bit i mean i think that one's limited and they do a lot of limited stuff so i you know my recommendation is pretty much any store that carries m43 will probably carry all of their seasonal stuff too so if you see something that with a label that looks like m43 because their their cans are pretty distinctive if you see one and it has a different label it's probably a good good idea to pick it up because maybe you'll get your hands on something that's a limited batch or something yeah. and most of their stuff is stellar so Oh, show. Well, I have one from uh, from our uh, previous episode where we interviewed Peter Mengaday, um, and he was talking about Club Heidelberg. Uh, I think Helmet early on played a show there. Uh, this is before Meantime even came out. So he was talking about that. So Harvey Radius on the YouTube did a comment just recently that said, are you talking about the Heidelberg in Ann Arbor? And yes, we are. Um, that's a classic venue for, uh, that's been in Ann Arbor for a long time. And man, probably everybody has played there. Um, and uh, I just looked just to verify on Google and they're still open to this day as of the taping of this podcast. And they just remodeled recently and they have a brand new sound system too. So if you haven't been to Club Heidelberg in a while, it might be time to go back. I don't know who's coming there or what kind of shows they're doing right now, but it's great to know that they're still there. So that's cool. So, Hey guys, real quick, this is something we haven't talked about. Um, but I wanted to throw this in here because I was just talking about being schooled and, um, having my mind changed. And, uh, so, um, a few weeks ago we talked about, we were, we were going to talk about the exorcist trailer. And I said to you guys, I said, ah, another exorcism movie. Do yeah. we need it? Why do we need it? We don't need it. We don't need another remake. We don't need another exorcism movie. It's been ground into the dirt. Fucking exorcism movies. No, I don't even want to talk about it. Let's avoid it. And then um, a couple days ago, I happened to be flipping through YouTube and it started the trailer and talks about these two girls who go missing and then they're missing for a few days and then they show up and they're acting weird and they're acting weirder and weirder everything's getting all screwed up all and then they so then they think they're possessed and i'm like oh wait a minute no and um turns out it's the exorcist trailer and it was <laughs> creepy as hell it it was it looked awesome and mm-hmm. i take i eat my words 100 percent. i put mustard on the words and eat the shit down because <laughs> that was a badass trailer and I stand corrected. I don't, hopefully the movie will be good. Um, but everything I was making fun of, I take back. The trailer is awesome. Oh, so, right on. Well, then I'm yeah. going to put the trailer in the show notes, then a link to the YouTube uh, link for it. So everybody can check it out. I, after you said that, I'm like, well, shoot, I'm not even going to watch it either. So I, <laughs> I didn't even watch it. So. <laughs> yeah. So Aaron, Aaron, like, Aaron, like, killed the entire vibe in the room. Like, none of us want to see it now. Right, right. <laughs> But well, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm go back to my original idea. Twisting the vibe. <laughs> Check out the trailer, and and if, if, unless I'm crazy, it's a badass trailer. Okay, for this episode, 
edition of collecting cool stuff. Steve, you're up. All Show right, man. Very cool. The first thing I'll tell you is a continuation from the last episode where we interviewed Kevin Kepi and Eugene Clark from Motor City Nightmares. And if you recall, I told you that that guy came to up our to our table and we were talking about all kinds of Kung Fu films. And he told me about the place to get the Invincible Armor t-shirt. Well, I got the Invincible Armor t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's wearing it. Nice. That's from that 36 Styles uh, w- uh, web store. And the Excellent. shirt is fantastic, man. So I recommend it. If, if you like any of those Kung Fu movies and you want to have a shirt of them, that's the place to get it from. And you can choose like the combination of the imprint color and the garment color. And mm-hmm. there's like five or six choices for every every single shirt. Most of them are usually in stock. So uh, super awesome. Now my actual collecting cool stuff uh, item I've been I've been sitting on this for like three episodes because it didn't rotate to my turn, so I've I've uh, I've been holding on to it. But um, everybody loves fright rags, right? So yeah. um, about I don't know two months ago or so, maybe it was May, maybe it was June, whatever. A little bit ago, they started advertising these cups, and I, I like drinkware. In case y'all didn't know that, I, I, I love custom mugs and custom cups. So I got three. I think there was like maybe seven ish total so i got three so night of the living dead nice cup and i got creep show sweet all the artwork that you're used to seeing on the you know the blu-ray and the i got a soft spot for creep show oh me too man for sure and then the third cup that i got is dawn of the dead just so absolutely fantastic. Yep, yep. I can't help myself. You know, one of my absolute favorite filmmakers of all time. Uh, so there you have it. Now there's a bunch but, of other ones. So go go to their site if if this is up your alley, and they have all those ones, of course, and they have like about probably five others, um, and they're escaping my mind right now because it's been a while since I looked. But there's a a nice variety of uh, of cups. I hope they still have them because sometimes fright rag sells out if you don't. If you don't jump on it quick, but if you're lucky, they might have a few left. So I got yeah, myself if you some. Heard of Fright Rag? You gotta go cups. check their website. It's crazy. Oh yeah, so they also stuff. get the best artists, by the way. <laughs> yeah, they don't mess around with art either. I know, man. They got really excellent stuff. I have a few of their T-shirts and posters, and uh, it's just top-notch stuff for sure. This next part of the podcast is fun because uh, all of us, I think to some degree, like to play video games and at different times in our life, we played more or less video games. But one thing is certain that one brand that keeps reoccurring in our journey of video games is that of Nintendo. Am I right? That's right. So, so I propose to you to list your favorite Nintendo game, of all time could be any of the eras which are nintendo entertainment system super nes the wii i'm not going to include wii u because i never played it or the switch anything in that you forgot like did they do gamecube uh oh they did too didn't they but i missed that one okay that was when we were on tour all the time I was yeah there was no no time for gamecube <laughs> um i love breath of the wild uh, I didn't grow up playing too much Nintendo. I did play, of course, Mario Brothers. For me, like 
what my family got uh got breath of the wild and everybody was playing it at different if different at the same time just taking turns playing it and um i wasn't too interested in it first and then i checked it out you know because we like to check things out around here that's right and that's right. Uh, i quickly became addicted it took me a quite a long time to play it i think it took me about a year because it's not a i don't rush games and it's a huge expansive game open world like truly open world that's the first time i ever played an open world game so to be able to just pretty much go anywhere and do do anything and climb anything and jump off of anything and figure out things you know okay well can i throw a bomb while i'm in the air can i throw a bomb while i'm in the water all these things you could pretty much do anything you could think of for the most part. So I love breath of the wild. It came out in 17 and the sequel just came out um, a few months ago and nice. I haven't dived into that so much. I got it, but I've only played a little bit of it, but I feel like it's going to be, I might be spoiled and I don't know if I'm going to like it as much as breath of the wild, because it's like such a hard act to follow. Yeah. Um, so I love going around killing orcs and bokoblins and stuff and and uh you know and just um gathering food and making food cooking it and all that stuff and making different potions it's super cool collecting the uh the armor and the the weapons and all that stuff um i definitely love that game and highly recommend it it doesn't feel like it's from it's not at all dated. I mean, 17 isn't that long ago. Greg's talked about playing Red Dead, Dead Redemption for like, I don't know, five, six years or something. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really get old, you know? So it's kind yeah. of like that. So yeah, that's my favorite for sure. Nice. Still going to get oh, that, you to play Red Dead Redemption too. That's the other thing I was going to say is I, when I, I grew up and I played a little Nintendo, but I never played any Zelda. That was the main thing I was going to say. So yeah. I'm so, totally late to the party with Zelda games but it didn't really matter it's it stands on its own so yeah i love that game it has a really unique art art style as well i think like as, in terms of open world games like most of them are doing like the hyper realistic you know like red dead redemption 2 grand theft auto like those those look almost like the real world but the the breath of the wild definitely has like a cool almost like an anime style okay. or something that that i think is really cool and it looks really really good yeah yeah Definitely. awesome man i have, I, I don't even that know game that game too i like it yeah all right greg how about you man that wasn't my choice though i'm going old school man just like all the movies i go right back to to my roots steve yeah um so we might we never had nintendo we never had the original one um, I don't know. We had, I feel like we had something else. We definitely had Atari, but like, I feel like there was something else in between there, Did but, um, Odyssey? we never had the, I, I don't know. Did My brother would know. No, no. <laughs> uh, it would have been something easy to find. I'm, I'm guessing, but my brother would probably know better than me. Um, so I never had Nintendo, but we did have Super Nintendo when that came out. So we did get Super Nintendo. And I remember this game that to me was like on the cutting edge. We were obsessed with it like quickly. And it was Star Fox. Do you remember Star Fox? I never I played so. it, but I remember seeing like the box and the artwork and stuff like that. He is a fox, right? Yes, he's definitely a fox. Yeah. But, yeah, but really, cool. you don't ever see him. 
I don't think, you know, so it's like a 3D, it was like the first 3D like space shooter that I'd ever seen. And it was, it was using like some sort of like, I don't know, like new polygon technology or something. And it looked like you were flying a spaceship and it, it just mm. was so different. It did pretty well for Super Nintendo. And I remember my brother and I being pretty obsessed with it. So that, that's my pick. I, I you know, when you're at that age and you're impressionable and like, a game comes out that that's totally different than anything you've seen, especially like 3d, you know, that wasn't a thing really. I, uh, on the other hand, uh, had Nintendo entertainment system. I, I got it, uh, maybe the second year that it was out, I think if, if I'm remembering right, but, uh, played the heck out of it. Loved it. Super Mario brothers, um, was absolutely fantastic. I remember I f- ever first saw that game at a 7-Eleven in Florida, and it was a, the upright arcade game, straight up. And then I remember found out you could get it for Nintendo, because I think I didn't get the one that came with Super Mario Brothers. I got the one that came with Gyromite, and it had the robot. So I got Super Mario Brothers quickly after that, and I played that all the time. But favorites for Nintendo Entertainment System, hands down, Ghosts and Goblins, one of the best games ever made. Everything about it is excellent. It's hard as hell. So you really have to earn it uh, to get, you know, up into the levels. And if the original board or the first board, if the music isn't cool enough, when you finally do level up to like the second and third and fourth levels, the music gets even cooler. It gets even more eerie. And then uh, Super Nintendo, that was one I I never had. But I have a cool tour story uh, back in the Forge days. We played the Flint local. And I think the next day, we were either headed to the Upper Peninsula to play at Michigan Tech, believe it or not, or it was a different time. We were heading like to Ohio the next day. So the Flint local was kind enough to let us crash at the venue after we played the show. And they had a Super Nintendo there. So I remember all night I was playing, um, is it called Shadows of the Empire? It was like their main Star Wars game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I played the hell out of that. And I remember like thinking, this is the most realistic, coolest Star Wars game to date. Because, you know, there had always been Star Wars games for every system before that. And they're always like, eh. Right. But this one had, like, the right sound effects, like, actual samples. It was great. It was, like, really great. Um, was that the one that was, like, Doom? It was, uh, I think, Side Scroll, if I'm not oh, okay. I'm not mistaken. All right, so it's not the one I'm thinking of. There was, a, there was a Star Wars game that came out that was, like, Doom. It was, like, 3D like that. Yeah. I remember thinking that was the coolest one at the time, but it's obviously a different one. Right on. Yeah, I probably played that one too. That one might have been Sega CD, maybe. I can't remember. Say what? Was that Battlefront Star Wars? No, no, no. no. That, that's that much more later. recent. But uh, and then so then fast forward to the the next one that I ever played in Nintendo's world was the Wii. I never got GameCube, and if there was anything else in between there. I wasn't in the video game mode at that time. So the for the Wii, believe it or not, this might sound crazy or not what you think I would say, but Wii Golf is amazing. I don't even play golf in real life. I've I really never played. Uh, just a couple of silly, um, you know, golf outings where you play best ball and you don't have to be good and you're just there to have fun and, and chit-chat. Anyway, Wii Golf is great. They have the... Uh, the audio is is wonderful. It's like you can hear like babbling brooks and the wind blowing, and it's kind of it's almost like relaxing to play Wii Golf. And then once you get the hang of the mechanics of it, um, it's pretty fun. Um, cool. So we played that one a lot back in the uh, 
mid 2000s i think right like like 2006 7 8 you know right around there um and then now with the switch i have played a couple um but not like not really by myself like that game that you mentioned aaron where you're doing the quest and you have kind of time to do all that kind of stuff we we do more now where it's kind of like all the kids play uh and we, we all kind of play together as a family all four of us are playing it's this uh the Puyo Puyo Tetris believe it or not is so awesome so you got Tetris or the Puyo Puyo which is like more color matching than shape or lines like like Tetris is but there's different modes where it'll switch between both and you're playing Puyo Puyo for a second and then after so much time it switches to Tetris and you can play it to where it doesn't do that as well and you're just playing one or the other but it's kind of fun to like you keep making your brain because it's totally different mojos between what you have to do in Puyo Puyo and what you have to do in Tetris. So it's fun to like, you know, break your brain to 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 switch gears like that. So that one I enjoy on the Switch. Yeah, yeah. If you if you get Breath of the Wild, you, it'll it'll bring you in. It'll suck you in. Like, yeah. there's do you know what it sounds like to me is that you're just playing a video game of Dungeons and Dragons, which you know that's the best in a lot of ways. Yeah. All right, we're going to end this episode of V3Cast with another round of our Tubi picks. What y'all got? What you guys been watching? You know, Tubi's got an endless supply of all the stuff we like, man. The horror, the giallo, the sci-fi. An endless list. Everything. Westerns. Yep. Kung Fu. Um, I, I've been reading Corey Dana's book about Sheldon Lettich, and it hit me that I, you know, a lot of the book is about Jean-Claude Van Damme and I haven't watched any of his movies in 30 years or more. Yeah. And I haven't seen all of his movies. There's a, there's a bunch I haven't seen. So I started, um, and I was like, if I'm going to re- be reading this book, I got to uh, know what they're referring to. Um, so I went, I've been going back and watching some Jean-Claude movies and, um, so far my favorite is kickboxer. Um, there's a lot of repeat between Bloodsport and kick, Kickboxer. Probably a lot of repeat between all of his movies because he's always fighting in mm-hmm. tournaments and shit. But and doing um, the splits and shit. Yeah, <laughs> over and over. But Kickboxer is 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 a really cool movie. I think it's better than Bloodsport. I don't know some people might hate me for that, but um, <laughs> Kickboxer was was uh, really good. Um, I love the training scenes when he's out. Uh, in Thailand with this this temple in the background and I'm thinking you know uh, it's not a special effect that's like really what the temple looks like and that's really what the sky looks like as far as I can tell that was all real um and it's it's a cool movie it's it's got you know it's lighthearted moments and funny moments and heavy moments the dude everybody knows probably the guy from the poster of kickboxer the guy with the top knot and he's just totally he looks like something from a video game. Like he's like a monster, you know, bad guy, uh, big intimidating um, fighter. And uh, and I had to get to the bottom. Is like, does that guy really look like that, or was that makeup? Because I always, for thirty something, thirty five years, I thought that's what the guy really looks like. Yeah. But I won't spoil anything. Anyway, um, dude, Kickboxer was very cool. Directed by Mark Desali in 1989 that's my to be pick all right my to be pick is graduation day 1981 horror movie that i've never seen 
and have always wanted to see because again we've talked about this on the podcast before i would always go to the video store and i'd only have so much money so i'd always rent the one that my friends had seen so that i could be the cool kid that also knew what they were talking about (laughs) so anyways i would always see graduation day and all these other movies that now are on magically on tubi so i sat down and i watched graduation day of course i didn't watch it in one sitting because i've got kids (laughs) that's right Um, it's got some really good people in it. It's 1981. It's very, very, very much pinching Friday the 13th, Psycho, Halloween, you name it. They're, they're throwing it all in there. Uh, but it has uh, Linnea Quigley in it, who we already mentioned tonight. Believe it or not, Vanna White's in this movie. And uh, uh, Michael Pataki, who's a, uh, a character actor that you guys will certainly recognize if you look him up. And then the main one of the main characters is Christopher George. It's not our friend Christopher George. Um, but this Christopher George was also in the movie Grizzly, which was on Joe Bob's special a few, I think it was a few weeks ago. Christopher George, this Christopher George, not our friend Christopher George, also happens to be born in Royal Oak, Michigan. So kind of a local tie nice. there. So graduation day, it's a crappy slasher, but I enjoyed it. And it's on Tubi, and you can watch it for free. So what do you care? you got to watch a couple commercials. That's right. And just just watch the commercials. Just watch the damn commercials. It's on there for free. You know. That's right. Enjoy life. Don't be so critical. Cool pick. Well, my pick is a classic that I've loved since I was a little kid. Revenge of the Ninja. I didn't realize that those were on Tubi. Uh, and I saw it, and I'm like, "Yep, I'm stopping right here." I, got, I haven't watched it in about five or six years. It's 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 time it's time to watch it. Uh, directed by Sam Furstenberg, uh, of course, starring uh, one of the best ninjas, along with uh, John Liu, uh, Shokazugi. Um, I mean, that is the best ninja, Steve. I don't best. think that's debatable. <laughs> I know he's the best. <laughs> yes, he's the best ninja that ever will be. I know, man. I know. <laughs> And uh, one of my favorite parts of this film, besides the obvious, it's it's one of the tightest choreographed fighting, an awesome bad guy with a silver face. Uh, you can't beat that stuff. But yep. the music is absolutely incredible. I was lucky enough to score, this is probably about six or seven years ago now, uh, just at UHF Records in Royal Oak, Michigan, there happened to be a vinyl copy of Revenge of the Ninja. And I scooped that up, man. But that's music by three composers. Um, Michael Lewis, W. Michael uh, Lewis, uh, Lauren Rinder, and Robert J. Walsh. Incredible soundtrack. It's on YouTube or I don't know if it's on like streaming platforms or not, but it's it's definitely on YouTube. Um, check it out. Uh, the movie's great. So is the film score. Uh, that's my Tubi pick. Nice. I think those are three good ones. If everybody goes home and does their homework, they're going to be very pleased. That's right. That is right. Yeah. Or as a plutonium killer would say, they'll be very pleased. That's it. Exactly. I always like to sneak that in when I possibly can. Right. All right, fellas. So this has been V3Cast episode 29. If you are into Voyager 3, which is us, the band that makes albums and scores films, and we do a podcast, do us a favor. Like and subscribe and uh, share the videos. It helps us out. Uh, pick up some merch. Uh, in addition to Voyager 3 merch and music, we also have some V3Cast uh, merch. We have a coffee mug and a V3Cast t-shirt. And all of that can be found at the Voyager 3 store, V-O-Y-A-G-3-R store.com. So until next time on V3Cast, we'll see you soon.